Love Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show. For tonight, we're going to be talking about the Demonic Beans film pick of the week, 2023's Totally Killer, directed by Nanachka Khan. Hope I said that right. Uh, but that's who directed it. And we're going to be talking about that a little later on in the show. But of course, we're joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. Hello. How are you? Oh, Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Uh, like, totally welcome to, to Talking Terror. Totally grody, man. So gory and weird. This is Rob Lowe when you need him. Gone. Mm. Oh, no. Rob well, no. Well, he might show up in his... Who knows? I mean, we, we are going back to 1987. Going back. Well, we're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Prince of Moore's Day. Yes, get fucking with him. Here we go. Yes, King. Welcome to Talking Terror, baby. Your go-to radio broadcast for all things all. For the next two hours, we will be coming in your ears. <laughs> Fuck it. For the oh, sex shit. two hours? <laughs> the sex two hours? It's a long time. Uh-huh. Back. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> do you do blowjobs? <laughs> you think. If you don't do blowjobs, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Plenty of... Plenty he of. comes out of there. Ew. Ew. <laughs> he tried. He tried. <laughs> Just all that 80s cocaine that he's been doing all week prepare for the episode. <laughs> Got to him. Poor little monkey heart couldn't handle it. 80s cocaine was a lot different. Great cocaine back then, man. That 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 is the thing. Great cocaine, horrible weed. That's the thing. Do it off your doing it off your trapper keeper, (laughs) using your protractor to cut it up. My Miami Vice lunchbox. You know, you got to do cocaine. That's a good trapper keeper. And as you also heard, we are joined by the Demonic Dean, who, film, who picked this film for tonight. Demonic, educated, very opinionated Demonic Dean, everybody. Yes, I did pick this film tonight. Please tell me that you're hearing me. Yep. Yes, we are we hearing you. Hear you. <laughs> no need for expletives yes. tonight. Uh, great. And we're uh, in <laughs> for a totally killer show this evening uh, with my pick of the night. And I will look forward very much to hearing all of your thoughts when we arrive at that portion of our program. But now uh, there are still many, many things for us to talk about. There always is, as we cover horror news with the Dean, as always. But, uh, Gore Monkey, did you have anything that you wanted to talk about before we talk about horror news? I've got nothing, mate. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I might. Uh, Yeah, you know what? I I really don't have anything in particular to, to, to talk about. Um, you know, I do want to give uh, props to AMC. I mean, I guess 
they they kind of borrowed a, a little thing from from Regal, which does uh, hmm. like they they do a, a mystery movie thing. It's like uh, Regal does yes. a five dollar mystery movie, and you know, it's typically mm-hmm. you're just gonna go and you don't know what the film is gonna be. Now, that it could be any film from from any genre, any you know, any year and so forth. Uh, AMC kind of took that and did something a little different. Um, they did something called The Scene Unseen. Um, basically, all you knew is what the rating of the movie is, and it's a movie that has not been released yet. Uh, so we ended up doing this on Monday. Um, you know, so, so I guess the cool thing is it's, it's a new release film, so it's not like, you know, you're going to go and end up getting stuck watching, like, fucking, you know, I don't know, Glory or, or you know, something from, like, you know, the, the, the 90s or, or the early aughts or some shit. Radio Flyer. You know, Glory is an excellent movie. Exactly. Oh, no. What's up? Glory is an what excellent movie. I'm not saying it's Glory not an excellent movie, but what I'm saying is, like, I don't know. I don't want to go on a, you know, on a Monday night to the movies and sit there for a three-hour Civil War epic. You know, if, if that's not... <laughs> necessarily what i'm in the mood for you know like uh, yeah. I, i'm all for the randomness of it but like i at least want to know that if i'm going to go see something that that i'm going to be spending that time doing that it better be something i've never seen before and not something that i don't Shame have you know, access to exactly you know part two um <laughs> so, so anyway we did we did see it unseen this week and uh and it was quite successful. The theater was, was fairly packed, which was cool. Um, and it was the, uh, you know, like, I, I was a little excited. I was like, oh, maybe it'll be the new Marvel film, you know, The Marvels, which is, is premiering tomorrow. Got the trailer for that, so I knew that wasn't the case. So then I thought maybe it's the Songbirds or something and Snakes, whatever the hell it is, the Songbirds and Snakes, whatever the new Hunger Games movie is. But it was not that. Sure. Um, judging, hmm. judging from the Song trailers, I knew that it was going to be something – Along the lines of like a more independent slash artsy type of film. Well, it was none other than Taika Waititi's new film, uh, The Next Goal Wins, uh, based on the oh, American okay. Samoan soccer team, and it was it was very funny. It's, yeah, I love Taika Waititi, and I know a lot of people are on the fence with the whole the whole Thor Love and Thunder thing, but I love when it's his love original it. work. You know. Yeah, I mean, Love and Thunder again. It has it, its good points are good, its bad points mm-hmm. are are pretty strong. Um, no, definitely not Ragnarok. <laughs> Ragnarok was a great film, great movie, a lot of fun. Yeah. Love and Thunder again had good highs but very low lows. Um, but this being a Taika Waititi movie, a lot of fun, good time. You know, I love the cast. I lo- I love his choice of things. I love his humor. You know, I like that. There's always this like. Just this, this little bit of, like, darkness to this, this fun light that he brings with everything, you know? We saw that with Jojo Rabbit, and, you know, he kind of he puts it there again with, the, with this movie. A, little, a, lot, a lot lighter than Jojo Rabbit being what the content is this time around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Obviously. Then we got yeah, no, I'm, looking forward to them, I'm looking forward to them doing this again, and, yeah, it'll probably become, like, a new Monday ritual if, if they are to start doing it on a regular um, yeah, they do that at Regal all the time. I think it's it's not Tuesday. Tuesday is Tightwad Tuesday, so it's $2 movies. But, uh, yeah, they uh, they usually do it on Thursdays. It's a surprise movie. You never know what it's going to be. But, uh, I mean, if, you know, if you're in the Taika T, have you checked out Our Flag Means Death yet on HBO? I just started watching that. It's pretty good. 
no, I've not seen that yet. I've not seen that. So yeah, it's okay, I have to pretty fucking check that out. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, it's got like a pirate uh, theme, but Taika Waititi's in it. I know he's directed some of it, so yeah. If, if okay, you like and if, if you like, is he a writer on it? Is he just in it, or is he directing episodes? Like, as far as I know, he didn't direct anything. As far, I mean, I've only seen like two episodes so far, but he didn't direct either of those. He stars in it though, and he helped write some of the episodes. So. Okay, okay, all right. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll give it a look. I'm not, you know, the pirate thing. It's it's. Uh, Hey, you know, even with the Pirates of the Caribbean, my interest in, like, the whole pirate thing is, like, as, as low as it could possibly get. Like, I just really don't have yeah. much fascination for, for pirates or pirate lore. It's, it's, it's right up there with Westerns for you, huh? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, it goes, they, they kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, they're, they're kind of similar. I mean, if it wasn't for Tarantino, I wouldn't like Westerns at all, so. Thankfully, he made a couple of them, and then I checked that other one. So, I just watched The Hateful Eight the other day too. For some reason, I had a feeling mm. I wanted to put that on. Fucking good. Uh, yes, I do like Tarantino westerns. That, that's but that's different. That's not typically a western. You know what I mean? That's just a Tarantino. No, movie. yeah. It's a Tarantino, it's Tarantino version of being western. Tarantino in a western environment. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still going to see a lot of feet. That's all you need. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's got a type. He likes feet. Can't blame him. You know, you wouldn't want Selma Hayek to stick her fucking feet in your mouth for a dust till dawn. I think you would. I know I wouldn't turn her away. <laughs> All right. You know, go for it. Yeah. But I just got a feeling that was the only reason that Uma Thurman was hired for Kill Bill, just because of her big, huge NBA feet, man. Just, yeah. She's got those gigantic feet. fucking hobby feet. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> bigger than yeah, Ethan I, head. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get that at all, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he definitely really likes feet if he was into hers. She's got those Jordans on, you know, the size 15 triple E. <laughs> um, but all right, if you, have, uh, if you guys are done with that, let's give it over to the Dean for Horror News. What are we talking about tonight, Dean? Oh, how very exciting. Uh, so I'm very excited. Get in, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to hear that, King of Horror. Um, before we get into the, so the, the information specific to the realm of horror, just passing across the news desk a few minutes before the show, I learned that the Screen Actors Guild strike, that a tentative agreement has been reached um, just oh, a short oh. while ago, around around 8.30 Eastern Time. Uh, so apparently a tentative agreement has been reached in regards to the Screen Actors Guild strike. Um, I would anticipate more information uh, coming in the very near future, possibly even this evening, uh, as if that particular strike has finally reached its resolution. Uh, so that was not in my notes, but I happened to be you know, looking at the news right before uh, the show started, and, and that is what I learned. So I thought that it would be... Um, being on the fly, that information man. with you all. Man, very, very getting cool, that man. news. We can watch movies again. So <laughs> well, no, we've never been able to not watch movies. They can, they can act in movies again. Oh, that's they true. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we could have new movies now. Now we can get the next fifty Marvel movies, movies out. <laughs> and the it's next three Mission Impossible movies. Hell yeah! <laughs> 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 How many Marvel more? movies? 
cool. <laughs> uh, you know, I heard, and I don't know if this, I don't know what what the what the fans will think, but uh, the early chatter that I've seen is that this this new Marvel movie coming out uh, is going to be the worst Marvel movie in the history of Marvel movies. But uh, but Tom will be the judge of that as well as I'm seeing it tomorrow. Uh, viewing uh, decision make. Well, I hope that you have a wonderful experience in the movie theater and that it brings to you all of that which your Marvel heart desires. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> my my, ex- my expectations are kind of kind of on the low end. You know, like uh, the original Miss Marvel Same here. Uh, isn't one of my favorites. Um, no. I do, I, you know, I, I did like going back into the 90s and all of that, but I found that the film was a little unbalanced at times and... Just not. Um, it was boring, you know. Just to just to pretty much fucking just lay it right down on the line now. And no, that's not me being some kind of fucking woman hater or anything like that. You know, I know there was some kind of fucking huge lesbian woman message that that you know fucking came flying with that film, girl power, rah rah rah. I'm all for it, man. I am, but it's a fucking comic book movie. Make that shit fun and exciting. Cast an actress that you actually fucking enjoy watching because Brie Larson is like fucking... She's a dramatic actress. She does not do action well at all. So if this idea is that, like, oh, she's a dramatic actress so she can play stoic, well, that's fucking great, okay? Because that's what I want to see. A fucking two-and-a-half-hour movie of stoicism. No, okay? I want some fucking action. I want some fun. I want a little bit of silliness in it. And yes, you know what? Every now and again, maybe it's not the worst fucking thing to, like, show us somebody in tight outfits that has a body. Um, I know that that's me being a fucking man or a guy or whatever it is, but... I said what I said, and I ain't fucking taking it back. She's got a fucking boy body. Uh, There's a fucking, there's like shots that show like from fucking Endgame where she's standing next to Tom Holland, and Tom Holland has a nicer ass than Brie Larson, okay? So you know what? When Spider-Man looks better than Miss fucking Marvel in the suit, I've got a problem. Um... But regardless, I actually, I kind of think that this movie, this new one, could be kind of fun. You know, it's combining some of the TV show stuff with with one of the movies. It's kind of Miss the Marvel. first time they're really, they're kind of doing it. Yeah, but not just Miss Marvel, but you're also taking in Binary from uh, WandaVision. So you've got like yep. the three of them, you know, all, all coming together. And, and you know what, maybe, maybe this one will end up being fun. I'm sure no matter what, I'm going to enjoy it because I'm a fucking mark for these films. No matter what, I'm going to like it. It's just a matter of, well, am I going to like really, really like it? Am I just going to like it? Or am I going to like it like I like fucking, you know, Thor the Dark World, which is kind of like being like into S&M and being on the masochist side, you know, where it's like, all right, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm only liking this because it hurts me so, so much. You know, hit me again, please. Please squeeze my balls a little bit harder. Step on my penis head just a little bit more. Um, so, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you're kind of wrong, though, about Tom Holland because, you know, Chris Evans is Captain America. That's American. Man, I'm sorry I brought this up. He's got the finest ass (laughs) in the market. We know this. Like, that's America's ass. So Spider-Man's got nothing. No, but Tom Holland is going to have the best ass because he he was a dancer before he was in the Spider-Man stuff. So he's got that dancer's body. So, you know, that's why he's got the best ass out of all of them. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Did you see that dump truck on Steve Rogers? 
You could bounce a quarter off that. I, you know, I had no problem with that. I didn't see much of Tom Holland. He can, he can so catch a whole lot a of Steve Rogers laying down. a quarter in them cheeks, bro. Dude, he could snap it right in half if you threw one at it right now. Snap it. Macho right Man in the Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dig it. Hey, he broke my quarter. That's America's quarter. All right, Dean, what's next? What are you talking about? <laughs> well... You know, now if the Screen Actors Guild situation is uh, wrapped up, so many properties that were uh, that we are fans of will, uh, you know, get rolling once again. And uh, you know, in in, in the Ghoul's last uh, monologue, uh, he talked about <laughs> uh, balance and unbalanced. And speaking of balance, we know that the theme of balance uh, has always been a very prevalent theme in the entire universe karate of kid. the karate kid Cobra Kai. and i just wanted to share well this is not this is not the cobra kai podcast but this is not related to, to cobra kai but in the greater karate kid universe i just wanted to note uh that pat e johnson uh has passed away at the age of 84 if you did not know this pat johnson was the karate choreographer for all of the films in the series and also served as the main referee in the all valley tournament uh so uh just a little little shout out for um you know pat for pat johnson who had such a a strong presence as a referee uh during daniel's triumphant tournament against the cobra kai's in the original film Man, I remember that ref being bigger than everyone. Where it looked like, man, you don't piss off that ref, man, because he looked like he would beat the shit out of anybody that's on that mat. (laughs) He was 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 all business. He He was was all business, but he also had a sensitive side. Checking in, checking in on Medell after uh, you know he was on the receiving end of some punishment from Johnny Lawrence, and also checking in often uh, in Daniel's final fight against Johnny Lawrence, uh, checking in on on Daniel's well being, especially after. Lawrence was awarded no point for illegal contact of <laughs> Yeah, he's in business. All right. All right. So what else are we talking about, Dean? So getting into the real realm of what we're here uh, to talk about, uh, there has been a, a long-running uh, horror video game that just reached their seventh anniversary. That is the behavior interactive horror game called Dead by Daylight. Uh, earlier hmm. this year was that game's seventh anniversary, and they have announced some big news that later this month, on November 28th, uh, both uh, Chucky and Bride of Chucky, Tiffany Valentine, are going to be uh, unveiled as characters in the Dead by Daylight horror game. And not only that, uh, Chucky in the game will be voiced by Brad Dourif, and Tiffany Valentine in the game will be voiced by Jennifer Tilly. So if you are a player of Dead by Daylight, uh, you now have some exciting child's play uh, crossover connection to be excited about and look forward to. All right. Excellent stuff. People still play it. Very popular. Dead by Daylight. Video game news. Very popular. I don't know. I'm still busy playing with my fucking... Dwarf dicks. Your penis? And dragon dicks. (laughs) That's right. Besides my own... It. But I finally got my. I finally got characters that fucked. I finally made characters fuck in the game. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah, my fucking, 
my, my big white dragon fucked the green alien chick, man. And my big white dragon actually has a fucking giant sack of nuts hanging up underneath him. Like, you know, after some, <laughs> some tawdry fucking, some fucking tawdry, <laughs> like, talking back and forth with this chick. She, like, fucking rode me. I did her doggy style. There was all kinds of crazy shit going on. And then, uh, but then afterwards, like, Wait, you, know, you got this, to pick all scene, that? Or did it, did it just... Oh, no, it's it played out as a scene, you know, but, like, she gets all, like, dark, oh, wow. yeah, and gives you all these looks, and, 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 yeah, and then the morning came, and, like, my dragon's, like, sitting there, and he's all, like, chilling, and I noticed, like, you know, he had his one leg up, and there was, like, his giant fucking, his giant fucking white nutsack, just, like, kind of what there, I was like, wow, he's got giant fucking, <laughs> you know, giant dragon balls. <laughs> Way to go, Goku. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, Baldur's, try Gate to fuck the Baldur's Gate 3, man. I'm going to try to fuck the devil chick next. But eventually, I do got to get back to my, my monk, my large African-American gentleman with a vagina. <laughs> is there a plot to this game, or is it just banging a lot? <laughs> I don't know. I keep waiting to hear, like, oh, it's like a adventure game where you got to save a princess or something. No, it's just it's weird fucking creatures banging. <laughs> the, the answer is yes. <laughs> oh. Yes. Absolutely. To both. Uh, I'll, I'll roll for it. Yes. Let you know the answer. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure I have, like, a negative fucking eight to my intelligence, so. Because <laughs> you spent about, like, three days just putting balls and vaginas on people. So I was like, wow. Once you get to the actual game. I'm on like my 10th character and I'm still barely past like the same spot with all 10 of them. So this really is like a real D&D session. You spend days upon days upon days and do like almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's so exciting. All right. Dean, what's next? What are you talking about? The Dean is gone. Is that what yes. we're talking about? No. Uh, I'm telling you right now. No. Uh, yes. So everybody, what? everybody loves Jigsaw. Everyone is so excited I do. Uh, for the Especially Saw game. And when when you see Saw on the screen, you can now have elements of the Saw universe on your coffee table because uh, the Saw Jigsaw Trials board game Kickstarter has blown away uh, their ask, uh, and they're expecting to ship. The Saw Jigsaw Trials board game in July of 2024. Uh, there are still 21 days left in the campaign, and they were asking just a meager uh, $12,285, uh, but huh. they have pulled in $117,263. Uh, if you go to the Kickstarter, there are only two options. Option one is to be able to purchase the standard game, for the cost of $56. And then there is the collector's edition that comes with all kinds of knickknacks and trinkets uh, that you can purchase for, for $80. Uh, up to six people can play this game at one time. Uh, so if you would like to play a Saw-themed board game with all of your friends on a, on a rainy evening, uh, you can check out the Saw Jigsaw Trials uh, board game Kickstarter where you can still uh, put in your money to, to, to purchase this game. Hmm. I mean, I would, but, you know, no, my luck, the monkey would read the fucking booklet and instruct me on it, and it would take a half a day. So I would fall asleep halfway through. Well, that's how these kind of games work, man. That's how Euro games work. 
I just want to play a fun game. I don't want to spend three hours going over instructions. I just want to play a fucking game. Let me just play Jenga. I know I'm going to lose that. Did I break that out at Halloween? No, I did not. Did I break out any games at Halloween? No. All right. Because no, we were so cold sober, we don't drink anymore. So what the fuck are we going to do that for? <laughs> that would be even worse if I'm sober and I have to fucking look in those directions. Oh, no. No, sir. I would have left my car at your house and I would have walked home. Like, I need to walk this off. I just I can't, I can't even do this right now. Just me walking all the way none, 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 of, none of you guys drink anymore. I'm the only, I'm the only drinker left on, on the program. Uh, for now, yep. yeah. I mean, I yeah, I can't. I really can't right now. But I, I plan on going back. New Year's Eve, I probably, oh, I'm probably probably going to pound a couple. Yeah, you're going to you're going to pound a couple. No, I'm going to pound a couple, and I'm going to be thinking about you the entire time. That's uh, <laughs> quite. That's if that is the case, that is that's quite disturbing. But if that is what will bring you oh, joy, uh, who who am I, I to stand about a friend when I drink? Oh, kind of sucks. No, Jesus, I think you're talking about, about you thinking of a friend while you were pounding a couple. It's no, it's it's the it's the it's the it's the all that you were going to think about. It's just think about a wide well, variety of topics. I mean, I just I look at the picture that I have in my nightstand and I go, "This one's for you, Dean." I mean, pounding what beers? I'm talk- perverts. That's talking about people. God, get it together. God, can't fucking talk about anything. Day and age. So we're talking about all six. It's like a real Baldur's Gate 3 situation up in here. Maybe we'll send you some more Chia Pack so you have someone to talk to you that way. Oh. You you can talk me through it. Oh, are we going to get Chia Packs again? That time? (laughs) That time of year? (laughs) It's the most wonderful time of year. No, no, it's not that time of year. No, it's not. My closet can't fucking fit any more of them. I have to push it closed hard enough as it is. No, it's not. No. I'd rather get I love penis stickers again than get fucking more chia pets. Oh, we can make that happen. Sure, though. Yeah, well, I put those <laughs> all around town, so I have a good time. We can make that happen too. I stuck them in so many places. They say I love bulbous, bulbous penis. <laughs> well, who doesn't love a good bulbous penis? They are impressive to look at. I'm not gonna lie. But enough about my you know penis. What? I, uh, what else are we talking about? I, I don't like a bulbous nope, nope. penis. You know, like I, I, I really like a nice. I do. So, yeah, so, yeah, no, it's kind of have like, like proportions. Nah, not a pencil dick. That's silly. It's got to at least look somewhat know. like my dick. You know, like I want something that's got like good girth, decent length. You want your own dick? This, no, I don't. Well, obviously, <laughs> I, would suck my I, own I, dick I do could, want my own dick. I, I enjoy my own dick greatly. Um, but, but yeah, no, like when, when, when watching porn, like if some dude's got like a weird looking dick, it, like, it kind of throws the whole fucking thing off, man. I'm like, what the fuck? Why does that you thing look like it's got like a beach ball on, on the end of it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't do that with some uncircumcised ones. I have to turn it off. Yeah, see, it just gets too weird with the uncircumcised ones. I'm like, no, no, where's it going? And why is it going back in its shell? No. Oh, see, nope, now, I, I lived with else. an uncircumcised dick myself for so long that that doesn't bother me. No, well, you had a horrifying experience with that. So, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a reverse rhino. I mean, it's just it's terrible. So I, I don't blame you for living with that for so long. But, mm-hmm. you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, as I found out. That's right. So, all right, Dean, what's next? What are you talking about? It's like Kate told us that. 
so so <laughs> so much uh, RoboCop business here. So uh, there was a four-part uh, RoboCop uh, documentary, uh, RoboDoc, the creation of RoboCop, uh, that RoboCop. Uh, I believe uh, was for, <laughs> uh, available to watch on Screenbox. But now uh, there's going to be sequels, sequels to this RoboCop documentary that are going to cover uh, part three. Uh, sorry, part two, part three, uh, the TV series, and more. Uh, part two is getting its own documentary that you can expect to see in sometime in late 2024. And then a little bit later down the road, there will be uh, another edition talking about part three, uh, the TV series, the games, and the comics. Um, addition to that in the realm of RoboCop, and I think I talked about this quite some time ago, but uh, just the other day, uh, I think on November 2nd, uh, was the release of the RoboCop Rogue City uh, video yeah. game that's available in all mm-hmm. your gaming platforms, uh, where both Peter Weller and Nancy Allen are reprising their roles through voice acting of uh, mm-hmm. you know, of their characters from, from the film. Looks so uh, I was poking around in the PlayStation uh, store the other day and, and saw it and remembered and uh, looked it up. And, uh, you know, I did not purchase the game, although it looked fun. And, uh, you know, so those are the news items, but also just related to our film as, as RoboCop makes a, a cameo uh, in, in that, in the film as well. So, um you know, that's why I was like, yeah, oh, King, so much. King, you checked it out, right? Because I know you spent yeah. some time checking out the videos for Rogue City, right? Yeah, I watched a couple of playthroughs of it. And it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like you're watching RoboCop because it takes place between uh, one and two. So it feels like you're watching like an 80s RoboCop movie where they have, you know, Nancy Allen looks just like Nancy Allen and Peter Weller just looks like Peter Weller when he's thinking about himself as Alex Murphy. Um, yeah, it's definitely... Um, they micromanage the shit out of a lot of things. So, I mean, you could fucking be RoboCop and stand behind the desk and take complaints for like a segment of the game for some reason. So it's just like, they, they, really, they, they try to just give you the really full experience of being a cop. So it's, oh, and you get to place tickets too. So you get the ticket cars as you walk around town, you know, doing your directives. So, you know, you give out parking tickets if you want to. So it, it, it's crazy in that way. Um, and also you mentioned the, uh, the TV series, which is on, uh, Peacock and, and Tubi, you can watch it a lot of places with Richard Eden playing uh, Alex Murphy Robocop. It's a terrible show, but it existed yeah, it was. for a short time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was so bad. <laughs> well, and then Robocop went to WCW for a brief time. So, I mean, you know, he was, he was everywhere, you know, at oh. a certain point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we, we remember that one. Billy. You know, it's just a, yeah, silly, well, silly, it happened. Silly shit. I know it did. Good old Robo. Man. All right, Robo then moving on from... WCW. Okay. Oh, yeah. so, no, yeah, no, Robo. You didn't see RoboCop in WCW? No, no, oh, YouTube that. <laughs> we know. Get her alone, Rick. My Roomba balls. Fucking got it. We know last week saw the return of Terrifier 2 uh, to the theater uh, where you know, the, yeah. the fans the fans were promised the sneak teaser to Terrifier 3. Uh, oh, shit. Terrifier 3, as I talked about last week, is going to be set uh, in the Christmas season 
uh, taking place around Christmas Eve. Uh, it's been finally, it's been given its official release date uh, a little bit earlier than the Christmas, but the Terrifier 3 will hit the theaters on October 25th, 2024. Uh, they are saying uh, that this film uh, is going to be shorter and less mystical uh, than Terrifier 2. Uh, they say that the plan is that this film is returning to the tone of the first film, and you can expect it to be gory and depraved. Uh, so that's the latest news in the world of Art the Clown. Yeah, didn't didn't you talk about it last week where you said apparently like the opening is going to be so fucking shocking that people aren't going to believe Appar- it? Well, apparently, the not that people, that the opening... Uh, plan for the opening sequence is that it's going to be show, so uh, gory and shocking that uh, Hollywood Studios wanted no part of being involved with it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, cut it down. Fucking mean, the, fans, too. The, fans two hours like, bring, the fans are like, bring it on, you know? Like, Ghoul on the past yeah. couple of episodes has referenced about how, and this is true, has referenced how we're all like so jaded and this and that. So like, I'm just like, bring on the fucking gore, man. Like, make it as gory as fucking possible. That's that's my oh, philosophy. That's what I want to fucking see. And, and listen, Terrifier and Terrifier 2 both did that. You know, they definitely are gore for for the sake of yeah. it, too. You know what I mean? I gotta get on so, the second one. I still haven't seen the second one. There, there, there's no, like, hey, we're doing this for artistic merit. There's no, like, we're doing this because <laughs> it makes sense in the plot. There's just simply, like, hey, we're going to fucking just do some fucked up shit because this is what this fucking random ass fucking character does. Yeah. You're not going to Terrifier, Terrifier 2 for a plot and substance and characters. Like, you're not. No. You know this going in. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody being like, so what's the plot? Like, what the fuck are you talking about, plot? The fucking clown that kills people. <laughs> you know, that's it. <laughs> Why is it two hours? I don't know. Damien Leone just got fucking very confident with Terrifier 2. Where he's like, well, you know, like he said, two hours the next team. one's going to be shorter. It's going to be shorter. Terrifier 3 will be shorter. So, so okay, so here, here's what I will say with this. He tried to create a, myth- a mythos and a plot oh, no. with Terrifier 2. No. But not, well, not where sad. you would expect it to be. So, so that much is, is is a thing. It's uh, you would think it would be around art, but it's it's not. Not well. It's it's not. not. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> the cult I mean, of art. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't say that, monkey. Somebody's probably gonna be listening and fucking make that a movie. I don't want to see fucking <laughs> part four. It's a cult of art, and all these fucking people running around, oh. around fucking. No, no, Damien Leone probably this, and now it's going to be that. Well, I heard the Mad Monkey on Talking Terror one night, and I was like, you know what? That's a brilliant idea. Cult of Art. Thanks, Monkey. Terrifier. Three hours and 25 minutes. Can you handle it? (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't. It's fine. They they have its fans. Um, All right, Dean, moving on. What else are we talking about? So... Uh, you know, coming out by the end of November is uh, the next um, full moon feature uh, called Bad CGI Gator. Uh, but that's not <laughs> what I'm here to talk about. 
what I'm here to talk about is that uh, Full Moon uh, and Charles Band have talked about their film that they have coming out called Barbenheimer. Uh, they say that oh, hell yeah. uh, this film is going to be a crazy candy-colored romp. Uh, but the, the news item uh, that I did want to bring up revolving around this Barbenheimer project is that it was initially announced uh, and people have been anticipating a Christmas 2023 release. Uh, but this has now been pushed uh, to sometime in the first part of 2024. And when this is released, you will have the opportunity to watch it either on Amazon Prime Video or on Full Moon Beaver, uh, full, sorry, Full Moon Pictures' own um, own streaming service. Uh, so if you have been looking forward to uh, this Barbenheimer film, you know, obviously exploiting all of the Barbie and Oppenheimer business from uh, earlier this year, uh, and you're a fan of Full Moon and, and everything they bring to the cinematic table, uh, you just have to wait a little bit longer to get your chance to see it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely checking it out. It's fun as hell. <laughs> I don't care, you know. Uh, so you need some more gummies. <laughs> oh, I'm going to need a lot more gummies when I watch Barbenheimer, but don't worry. i got to hook up, so. <laughs> I'll have a nice little bag. You know, and I just, I love the tagline of D-Cup A-Bomb. Because I was oh, like, yep, shit. that's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been following Barbenheimer for a little while since it uh, got announced because, you know, I watched Corona Zombies when it came out during after the, the pandemic, and that was fucking ridiculous. And then Coronavirus Zombies too, all about saving Tiger King. Remember when Tiger King was a thing? Like, holy shit. <laughs> they, they just have to tackle the shit when it's popular, and that's it. So, you know, stay tuned for Barbenheimer. But, all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, so, uh, you know, the writers have been hard at work on the fifth season of Stranger Things, and now if this strike, uh, this Screen Actors Guild strike has actually come to an end, uh, they'll be able to get cracking on producing it. But one of the things that I have learned, talked about uh, how uh, Prey, Predator Prey director Dan Trachtenberg is going to be directing one episode, and I think I talked about how Linda Hamilton is joining the cast, uh, but I've learned mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that season five, episode one, is officially titled The Crawl, and this one uh, specifically was written uh, by the Duffer brothers themselves without their team, Uh, and they also announced that even though uh, so much time has passed uh, since Stranger Things 4, as well as the delay due to uh, the strike, that there is zero plans in any way to use any kind of CGI de-aging technology uh, for the cast members. Um, so I guess I, I mean I didn't I didn't see if really? there was any wow. any any concern about that, but yeah, they don't have any plans to use any kind of de, de- aging technology. Given that uh, you know the wide eyed uh, kids of Hawkins are now like fucking full grown adults, um, you know they're just gonna they're just gonna yeah. crank ahead and and see how it how it plays out. I, I think I remember Sean Levy talking about that recently in an interview where he said he was just going to use, like, makeup. He's like, oh, you wouldn't believe what makeup can do and, and can make them look young, and we're going to go practical and do all that. You, know, you can't really do that because they, they all look like they're well into their 20s by now. I mean, Finn Wolfhard, he, he's in the upcoming Ghostbusters movie, and he looks like he's 19 years old. So, But 
We'll rewind time and make him look like he's 13, 14. Yeah, I don't even make in high school. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were in high school in season four, which I feel like was five years ago. Like, I feel like season four was, like, forever ago. But, yeah, it was just this past year. It's crazy how fucking Was it time really? Was. was it really? I think man? so. It, feels, it seriously feels like it was, like, two years ago. <laughs> I, I want to say it was, like, last year, late, late last year. Season four? I don't remember. <clears throat> Dean, do you remember? Do you recall? I don't. I'm, I'm blanking. Pulling it, right, it up right now. Yeah, because I feel like it was not that long ago. Uh, if it was two years Stranger ago. Stranger Things. Well. Stranger Things. Uh, season four uh, ran from May to July in 2022. Oh, so yeah, so it was a year ago. Okay, well, I mean, more than a year ago. Now, but it wasn't two years. More ago. than a year, and 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 let's not forget that they haven't even started filming yet, and. You know, but we're not, we're, there's, we're probably not, we might not even see this thing in 2024. So, um, oh, no. <laughs> 2025, 2026. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, this, the, you know, we know that the fifth season uh, is going to be the final season. Uh, you know, there's things out there in the world of Stranger Things. There's like a stage play happening somewhere and like books. And, yeah. You yeah. know, they've, they've teased ideas for potential spinoffs, but uh, you know, there's a big fan base, of course, uh, but it's a fan base. Uh, like, look, we're a bunch of fucking old fucks. Um, you know, not you necessarily, we'll a baby, but um, you know, <laughs> even the even you know generationally, like this is a this is a show that like you know parents that are our age like sometimes watch with their teenage kids. I know that's the same for a lot of my students, but like it's an aging audience, you know. And I'm 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 curious. Mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, I'm not saying there won't be excitement for the fifth season, but I'm I'm curious as to if any kind of spin-off show will actually take place. And I guess the numbers that it does when it hits Netflix will tell the tale. But I'm just curious what happens surrounding the world of Stranger Things once the fifth season uh, comes and goes. Well, you know, and they had a lot of struggles too when they were making those seasons. I mean, the pandemic happened. You know, strikes happened. You know, it's kind of not like The Walking Dead, where The Walking Dead was like, all right, we're fucking hot, so let's do a fucking, you know, spinoff real quick, and then we'll do another spinoff real quick. You know, we're going to keep that fucking train going. Stranger Things had a lot of things happen where they couldn't really do that, so that's why I'm kind of more forgiving for it, where it's like, yeah, they, they just couldn't get quite like The Walking Dead, where it's just like, we're just going to keep hitting them with shit. No, they got fucked a lot, so. But luckily, it's it's the last season. Maybe they could do a spinoff, but I don't think the... I don't know if really it's there. Like you said, Dean, we're old, you know, and we're kind of just kind of past it. I don't know if I'd really want to see a Stranger Things spinoff at that point. Like, you know, it's, you make us wait long enough for another season, then we forget about it. We we blanked on when the last season was, and it was only in May last year. <laughs> how old we are. Like a fucking lifetime ago. It seems like a long time ago. It in seems forever ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just... It seems like ages ago we were talking about Eddie Munson and how cool that fucking Metallica scene was. But literally, it was just like over a year ago. <laughs> oh, man. But all right, Dan, what else are we talking about? Uh, so there has just been one misstep after another in the long time uh, journey to get this Blade reboot off the ground and uh, into production, there's been issues with the scripts and the writers, there's been changes in directors, there's been just all kind of 
you know, negative juju uh, around this thing. Um, they finally apparently have settled on a director. Somebody named uh, D. Yon Demange is going to be directing the Blade reboot. But, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the fan concerns given that this is a Marvel property with ties to Disney is uh, what kind of Blade film were they going to make? Uh, were they going to have a watered-down PG-13, et cetera, et cetera? But uh, director, uh, sorry, Jan Demange, or Demange, uh, has assured uh, those looking forward to this that uh, they have the full permission to make a rated R Blade film, uh, keeping with, um, you know, what you might have expected when you saw the earlier uh, at least the first two Blade films. So uh, when this thing will actually get into production, who knows? I feel like we've been talking about the upcoming Blade reboot for like three fucking years, uh, but oh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've been talking for at least two years. Yeah, they, they've been banding about that. There's a couple different things that they've kind of got in the works right now. Like, I know the new series Echo is going to be starting soon, and from what I've heard, mm-hmm. they're kind of doing a... Uh, Marvel they're Spotlight. Looking at kind of, yeah, they're kind of going with this whole thing where it's going to be more of like uh, like single type of events that don't connect with the greater MCU. So it's almost like they're doing what DC is kind of doing with their whole side thing. And you know how that's going to run is if something proves popular enough, they'll just bring it back into the MCU. They got enough shit going on with all this, uh, all all this multiverse stuff anyway. So they can pretty much do whatever they want with it um, in regards to that. But I would say the blade, uh, you know, the, the, the blade movie being, like seriously thought about kind of was, was really in uh, November, 2021, you know, when the, uh, I think that's when the Eternals movie came out, if I remember right. And that's because yeah, at the right. end of that movie, my Ali is, you know, you, you don't see the character, but you hear him as uh, as another character is attempting to pick up a sword. And, you know, basically that was the idea like, Hey, blade is definitely in the MCU and we're going to see him soon. And we are now, you know, two years later with, like, literally, like, next to nothing as far as, like, news goes with it, so. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but, you know, we shall see it eventually. You know, it's the second director stepping in after the first one stepped down, so, you know, who knows when we're going to get that next play movie. Um, but it is interesting, that Marvel Spotlight, how Echo is going to be one of the series, and it's just – like for the casual fan, it's like you don't have to know all the ins and outs of the MCU to kind of get into these series. And I think that's kind of fun. Like, I don't want to watch 30 movies just to watch this show. Like, no, you can just, it's a standalone, kind of like Werewolf by Night. You don't need to really know the MCU to watch it. So kind of appreciate that. Well, I mean, Echo does tie right into the MCU, though, because she comes from the Hawkeye well, series. Does, yeah. And, yeah, and, we and have, uh, uh, D'Onofrio's in it. D'Onofrio in it from from the freaking Daredevil series. So Yeah, so yeah, it, it does tie in, but I guess you don't pay attention to the movies because D'Onofrio wasn't in the movies. It was only in the no. Daredevil series. So, but I don't know. Either way, interesting stuff. But all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, we know that... Uh, Mike Flanagan has been so involved in the world of Stephen King. King's favorite and, director. Uh, while, no, love him. While, 
I'm a big fan of the book and the movie. Uh, it's been announced that uh, the Dead Zone uh, has been given the 4K UHD uh, treatment uh, for an upcoming release. But uh, in addition to that, part of the special features will be that Mike Flanagan will be providing a fan commentary track uh, that you will be able to listen to when viewing uh, the film. Uh, he also has apparently joined Letterboxd, where he is starting to post uh, his favorite movie. So Mike Flanagan, very busy these days. Uh, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the Dead Zone book and the Christopher oh, Walken yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, big, big, big time. And uh, while I don't think that I'm going to like make the purchase of this uh, set, I do hope that it will be available to stream somewhere, because I would like to watch it in, in that quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have it on DVD. I have the book, and I even watched the TV series when it was out with uh, Anthony Michael Hall stepping in the Christopher Walken role. It wasn't a bad show, but it wasn't a great show. You know, I didn't think it was that bad, but, you know, just it was not uh, Christopher Madden. Walken. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could beat that bathroom scene in Dead Zone, one of the greatest all-time scenes. What are you going to do with that pair of scissors, like, sir? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Tom's scared, yeah. But All right, what else are we talking about, Dean? Uh, so Scream 7, of course, is a go. Uh, yeah, where, right. Um, I, I, I don't recall their names, and I should have written them down, but the previous direction director team um, for the previous two Scream films uh, had Tyler been Gillette and Matt Open. Yeah, those those dudes. Uh, they had said right upon the success of the previous Scream film that they want to stay involved in the Scream universe and, and hope to get the chance to continue their work. Uh, but it seems that those guys with their uh, Radio Silence production company are only going to be producing uh, the seventh Scream film because, uh, you know, they've been busy working on uh, this Universal Monster film project that's rumored to be Dracula's daughter. And while they'll still be producing Scream 7, it's been announced that Christopher Landon, who directed Freaky and Happy Death Day, uh, will be directing uh, the seventh Scream film. And they also said that it's going to take place around Christmas time. So not only Terrifier 3, but also Scream 7 is going to take place around the, the old Utah season. Well, it's the most wonderful so, time well, of the year, King. I suppose for some people, like my Carrie, you know, not for me. It's like the worst time of year. <laughs> Halloween's gone. I can't get it back until next year. So that's a settle for lame Christmas. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> I digress. Because I'll just watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. Everything will be better. My old time tradition. And also Black Christmas. Gotta watch that. Yeah, I was gonna say, but, what about Black Christmas, man? <laughs> yeah, see, no, see, I have to watch that on that Deadly Night on Christmas Eve, and I watch, you know, Black Christmas on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's usually my, my, my go to. I don't even put the remake on. The remake isn't bad. Well, it's gotta be I mean, when I first saw it. Because it's, uh, you know, all about unity. Isn't that what Rick James said? Unity? Yeah. No. And don't forget, you also have a Christmas horror story. You got that one too. Oh yeah, that's true. I keep forgetting about that one. Yeah, that's actually Krampus. a pretty good one too. Well, Krampus, I don't, I don't really watch. I kind of skipped uh, that one just because. 
No. Everybody lives at the no. end of that one. There's no consequences. <laughs> well, well do they? There's consequences. We've talked yeah, about I, it. You know, it's like it, it, <laughs> it's it's not that everybody lives, but not everybody exactly dies either. You know. I mean, they are living <laughs> my hell. I mean, that's literally the ending of that movie would be my hell. Um, you know, having to relive Christmas every day for the rest of my life. Oh no! Fuck so you! You woke her up. You walk my I carry up. Not the same, right? There we go. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Is it right? I'm in the sucker bed. You got fucked up. Yeah. Someone wanted you to play this shit, okay? We're going to get a copyright strike. She's everywhere, man. She's everywhere. All right, let's go. She's going to hit it. There she goes. She's about to hit it. There we go. Come on. Yep, here we go. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, You know you're dancing, too. Yep, there she goes, doing her twirls in her Mrs. Claus outfit. Great. She's woken up as soon as November 1st hits. There she is. Remember me, guys? Someday. Dude, the video someday, man, she was so hot. Someday? Dude, man, you it's think like... someday she was hot? Honey, she was hotter. What? Is that video for Honey? Yeah, Honey, oh, she was so much hotter than someday. For, I don't know the video for Honey. I just remember seeing her Dude, she got right down to like, bikini, damn. Honey. Yeah, she got down to yeah, the col- uh, gold bikini for that one. You know, some, sometimes the more, the more naked doesn't mean the better. You know, so the, the schoolgirl walking around with those tight-ass jeans and busy telling the dude, like, yo, you know, you could have had me when I was fucking normal, and now look at my sexy ass. is like, oh, shit. Yeah, but that's what happened to Mariah Carey. She got married to Tommy Mottola at a young age, and she was all like, look at me. I'm wearing jeans and a tank top in a field. And all of a sudden, they divorced, and she's like, hey, check it out. It's like, thank you. Like, that was the right move. Because then she got super hot, and then she started doing singles of boys to men, a lot of P. Diddy action back then. And she really found herself. And then I found myself as a young boy. You're like, Mariah Carey's pretty hot. <laughs> she, she wasn't in the early 90s, but then she found herself in the late 90s. when she was like, oh, that's right. I could just be with every R&B act and, be, and before I met Nick Cannon. You know, that Mariah Carey. Not, not now Mariah Carey, but now she's just all about Christmas. She only has like one season, just Christmas. The rest of the year, she's asleep. She's like some kind of Cthulhu monster. She gets put Ooh, to sleep fucking, for 11 months out of the year. <laughs> fucking succubus. <laughs> <laughs> Back in your tomb, Miss Carrie. Ha, ha. Nope, it's January 1st. Back in, no. <laughs> no, we had a deal. We had a deal. <laughs> Only one month a year. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, but I have right. more singles. No, we don't talk about those. <laughs> no, we know you don't have any more singles, Miss Carrie. We know you're lying to us. <laughs> no, just come in. Check out all my singles. No, remember what happened to that last guy? No, we're not falling for it. Um, but, oh, God, it's terrible. But anyway, Dean, what else are we talking about? We, for a while, here on this part of the show, have talked about how they were developing 
uh, in It prequel series. Welcome to Derry uh, for Max, uh, formerly known as HBO Max, formerly known as HBO Go. And uh, <laughs> while this project is still uh, in production, it says that uh, we're night. If this is what you've been looking forward to, you're likely to be seeing this debut on Max uh, until sometime in 2025. Hmm. Yeah. You know, really uh, striking while to... the iron's hot when it comes to the popularity. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's because uh, how how many years ago was that it chapter two that sucked? Two thousand nineteen. Three years ago. Or oh God, it feels like two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Oh yeah, it feels like it was ten years ago. Like, that 2019. first chapter was two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Chapter one yeah. was two thousand seventeen. Yeah, Chapter two was 2019. Uh, well, see, even then, you know, fucking waiting two years to drop the second chapter. That's why nobody cared about it. I mean, aside from it not being very good, I mean, it's just, how do you beat the first chapter? It was great. And then let's follow it up with a bunch of characters we don't really care about. That's why the miniseries kind of works, just because they just fucking threw it all together over two nights. And like, here you go, two nights. That's it. We're out. You know, just wait two years. I mean, did you guys like the eight movies? Or am I the only one that didn't really care for them? I mean, I thought the first chapter was good, but the second chapter I kind of thought was weak. Yeah, that seems like, when to we be the about general the consensus. Yeah, but when we t- covered the fir- you know first one on here, it's like you, you kind of needed all of it. You know, you needed the movies and the miniseries. Watch it all together, and with that combined knowledge, it made everything more palatable. What yeah. are we talking about yeah, again? Uh, Pennywise it's chapter and it, one. the remake. It's chapter two. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, chapter one is good, chapter two, not so great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely think the strength of the first movie is, is the kids. That is the big thing. And mm-hmm. I know they tried to, like, give us, you know, a lot of the kids in the second film, but it just it just didn't match up, you know, and, and you didn't have, in my opinion, anyway, you did not have the same strength of actors in that second chapter as the adults, as even when you look at the 1990s film, like, you know, made for TV movie, like those actors, even though they were all like mostly television actors, they were like names in a way that like, you know, they, they, they were familiar faces of people that you liked seeing because like, I don't know, you just, Kind of enjoyed seeing them. Yeah, I just I didn't get that vibe with the uh, with with this latest one. But I don't know. That's just just me. Maybe that's that's our age showing. I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. I think it's just our age, you know. Because I I do like that miniseries, but I also thought that Tim Curry was a great Pennywise and uh, uh, Skarsgård was was okay. I mean, you know, it wasn't terrible, but. You just you, you can't get a performance like that out of Tim Curry than expect it to be good with uh, another actor. You just no, just he was so fucking good in that, in that miniseries where he's just yeah, happy one second and then the next evil. And yeah. Who else could ever play mm-hmm. the shark as well as the first fucking movie? You know what I mean? You can't. You just you can't do it. The whole fucking scene of him in the library with fucking Richie, where he's just like beep beep Richie, and fucking nobody could see him except Richie, and he's like, oh my god, mm. <laughs> he's got the rattle and fucking yeah. shaking it. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, if it was a thing of like you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, it's like it would have been awesome. Like 
for them to be able to make that series today with that cast and be able to push it now, you know, like we can because we have HBO, you know, and all these other things to where we can actually get a true rated R series and, you know, to actually be able to see Tim Curry go full evil, which I fucking love watching, you know, I I think it would have been epic if they had been able to actually create that series that way. Yeah. And it's not... uh... Bill Skarsgård isn't going to be Pennywise in the Welcome to Derry series, so I'm kind of interested to see who they get to play the character and see what this particular actor, whoever it is, they haven't announced it, obviously, but uh, whoever it is, see if they could bring something else to the character that we haven't got. But, you know, you know, it's just, it's, you know, interesting, you know, but yeah, then again, Tim Curry, like you said, I mean, he could be a really good guy and then instantly turn into a bad guy. Like, you know, I was waiting for him to kill fucking Macaulay Culkin and fucking Home Alone 2. Never got the chance. Anybody's going to do it. Tim Curry's going to kill him and then bury him in a dumpster outside New York. Nobody can help. It's because he knew knew Macaulay was having it coming in the good sun. So he was like, I'm sorry, sir. You must be mistaken. (laughs) Oh, I love you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No. He definitely had it coming in the good sun, but it's just, that's such a fucking satisfying ending, too, when he goes flying off that fucking cliff after Elijah uh, Wood gets man. saved by Macaulay's mom. <laughs> Damn, man. That's fucking cool. I, I was in movie theaters with friends, and, like, we stood up, and we were cheering, yelling, fuck you, Macaulay, and everyone was, like, just staring at us. We were like, what? Look at him. He's a fucking asshole. And we were all like, yeah, drop, motherfucker, drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kevin McAllister had it coming for a long time, and he finally got it. <laughs> Suck it, home one. <laughs> yeah, oh God, that's it's such a great movie. I forget about that one. But um, all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? That uh, you know, the first season of of Gen V has come to an mm-hmm. end, and I have not finished it yet. I will probably get back to it this evening. I know some of you guys have finished it, but. From what I understand, I have, the final one episode, episode uh, gives some indication uh, about something involving the next season of The Boys, but what I, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about does have to do with The Boys, and Amazon Prime has released uh, the first teaser art uh, that has to do with season four of The Boys and confirmed that we'll get a chance to see it sometime in 2024. Uh, the teaser art they released, uh, one image features Homelander, uh, one image features Butcher, uh, and each of the the scenarios that they're positioned in uh, gives us an indication that some kind of election has taken place. So uh, season four of The Boys uh, is on the way, no specific release date yet at this time. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. So 2024. Me neither. I fucking love it so much. Yeah. I just, I can't wait for the boys. Like, you know, I like Gen V and we'll talk about it once everybody has a chance to to finish it up, but it's just, it's not the boys. I need the boys back. I need, I need my butcher and Huey and Frenchie and mother's milk. I need the guys hunting after soups. So and we'll get it in 2024, but all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, finally, excuse me. (laughs) <laughs> last thing uh, that I wanted wow. to, to talk yourself. about, I'm very excited, uh, is Bjorn of the Dead. Bjorn of the mm. Dead is an upcoming uh, 
horror movie uh, that has to do with tribute bands. Uh, this film is going to be directed by Elza Kelpart, who directed a previous talking terror pick of mine about killer pants called Slacks. Uh, this film, <laughs> Bjorn of the Dead, is going to be starring Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer of Iron Maiden. And hmm. uh, the premise is that uh, Bjorn is the lead singer of a uh, low-rent ABBA tribute band uh, whose fortunes are really in the dumps <laughs> and been res- they've been resigned to playing uh, little local carnivals in old folks' homes and uh, locations such as that. And apparently Bjorn and his ABBA tribute group, as well as various others, uh, get trapped in a nightclub at the start of the apocalypse. Uh, from what I understand, this is going to be a blood, and I quote, blood-drenched gore fest uh, that is going to feature uh, many cameos from performers well-known from the world of hard rock and heavy metal. Uh, at this time, uh, there is no release date uh, related to this project. Beyond the Dead. Sounds like a lot of fun, so... Definitely yeah. check that out. <laughs> as long as it's got budget behind the special effects, because that's the bitches when this shit happens, and then the special effects just turn to shit. But if it's done by the, <laughs> you know, same people who did, you know, the Slacks movie, it's like, ah, just go a little bit harder. Get, give us some good special effects. <laughs> no, I mean, if they're going to try to make it like 80s music videos, then eh, you don't really need a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of those '80s metal videos didn't exactly have huge budgets, but they were still fucking rocking metal. That's goddamn right. <laughs> so fucking good, you know. Like we've talked about, monkey. Usually it's just fucking band footage, and then every now and then you just show them <laughs> and they, they sing. Even when we were talking about last week, when you had the three thousand metal videos, you had the. Tour, the tour video, uh, the ballad video of, of them, on, mm-hmm. and then the the fake tour video where it's just <laughs> them on a stage and they're not big enough to actually have the actual <laughs> tour footage yet. That's the black and white one. That's the black and white music video. When they don't have enough <laughs> for the actual tour itself, so they black out an arena, and then they only show the first three rows, so you think it's a packed fucking stadium. And really, it's just the first three rows. And then, you know, they're on a tour bus and looking out the window because it's been a long tour. Yeah, that's that video. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of those back then. But, you know, it was a different time. It was uh, the 80s. And that is, uh, you know, the premise of the movie we're talking about tonight, actually. Totally killer. Which is the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week. Totally. You seem so excited to talk about it. Gene, that's that's your segue, bro. Did we just hear a sneak creak? Uh, uh, Orca? 
Oh, <laughs> oh, Flo, Jeez. Tana, please give give her her leg back. <laughs> oh, oh that's, it's a good movie though, Orca. I like that one. We're gonna have to watch it to get this done. I mean, we covered it on the show, I know, but man, Orca's so fucking good. Anything with Poe Derek, but um, all right. Well, you know, Dean, uh, he'll come back eventually, I'm sure. I mean, it's totally killer from 2023, directed by uh, okay. Nanchaka Khan. Um, Shaka you know, Khan? Nanchaka Khan. Nanchaka Khan. Nanchaka Khan, you know. And he's gone. <laughs> he dropped. So, But we'll, we'll carry on without him, and then he'll come back. So, yeah, Totally Killer is about a young girl whose mom is murdered, so she ends up going back in time to 1987 to stop a killer known as the Sweet 16 Killer who claimed three lives back in 1987, stabbing each of his victims 16 times. So Hello. back in the 80s. Yes. Hey. Hello, okay. Good morning. So a couple things. One, uh, I know that Blog Talk right now is having issues with the connection and running their live broadcasts, yes. and the engineers Correct. are hard at work. And I know that – I don't know what happened to me, but, King, I know you started talking about the film, uh, but I do want to say really quick, because I was starting to talk about this, and I guess I was cut off and I wasn't uh, heard, but – uh, right after I finished that story about Bjorn of the Dead, uh, it did come across the, the breaking news desk that uh, the SAG after strike uh, has come to an end. An agreement has been reached on a three-year deal. All right. There we go. There's your update, folks. All right. So, so yes, so, we, we were so back, yeah. back in business. So, yeah. So, so, Dean, you want to tell us about the movie? <laughs> yeah, King. Where? What were you saying? Where did you leave off? Because I don't want to. I don't want to use up time here repeating what you already. He said. did not. He did not get very deep. So just give us give us the synopsis and your thoughts. All right. So totally killer uh, from 2023. Uh, it's not very often that my pick is such a brand new contemporary pick, uh, directed by <clears throat> Non Chaka Khan, and <laughs> starring. <laughs> <laughs> starring Kiernan Shipka, uh, Olivia Holt, Julie Bowen, Charlie Gillespie, uh, Lachlan Monroe. And it was so funny to me to see Lachlan Monroe because, one, I didn't remember that guy's name when he showed up, but there was like like this be- period of time, I'm going to guess like the late, maybe probably like the late 90s, maybe the very early 2000s where that guy was in like a whole bunch of kind of like team style movies. And then I looked on his IMDb and apparently he's been in a a thousand things and is consistently working. But I feel like after that little splash where he was in a couple of things things aimed at people at our age at the time, I feel like I've never seen that guy again. Uh, So it it was funny to see him pop up. I was like, oh, that guy. I haven't seen that guy in 20 fucking years. Uh, But anyway. uh, (laughs) Anyway. Uh, totally killer. Uh, in 1987, anyway. uh, the, the Sweet 16 killer struck, uh, killing three, uh, three girls, uh, stabbing them all 16 times, uh, and then disappearing uh, to never be heard from again. Uh, the town in which, uh, the town of Vernon, in which these murders take place, uh, in the modern day, uh, there are podcasters and people that dress up like the Sweet 16 killer on Halloween and uh you know one particular one particular girl uh you know apparently's family has history uh 
with the Sweet 16 killer and after tragedy strikes and the Max Headroom-looking killer uh, returns, uh, our heroine uh, gets uh, transported back to, to 1987, uh, traveling through time uh, to try and stop the murders and put everything in her life back on track. Mm. So what did you think about Totally Killer? Killer was a totally killer time. I actually, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I actually liked it, man. I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's very mm-hmm. interesting to me uh, when when movies are like which which you could potentially call like a period piece, uh, you know, set in the 1980s mm-hmm. and uh, set in the 1980s. To me, and I don't know anything about the filmmaker, uh, so I could be giving information here that is totally false, but. It seemed to me that this film was made by someone. Oh, nope, I am wrong. The director is 50, so the director's older than me. But the 80s sequences, which I fucking love, seemed to me like created and presented by someone who like didn't live through the 80s, but is like imagining what the <laughs> 80s must have been like. But I'm wrong. Because Very true. The director, yeah. the director is older than me. But I thought this was a lot of fun, man. I, I, I enjoyed this one. Awesome. All right. Uh, Ghoul, what'd you think about Totally Killer? You know, I, I wanted to like this film. Um and I'm not and I'm not gonna say I disliked it. I just was really, I guess, let down overall by the humor for the very same reasons that you're stating there, Dean, you know, where like this movie you know, I think there's enough. Uh, we, we've obviously seen a lot of things come back from the 80s, and we've seen shows like Stranger Things and stuff like that treat the 80s and, and kind of give us a, a, more, a more realistic look at what the 80s are instead of the, the fucking stylized, day-glow, neon fucking bullshit that like, people seem to think that the 80s were. Um, like, I love mm-hmm. the meme that goes around, you know, and it's like, you know, what the 80s were, and it shows, like, you know, wood-paneled walls and, like, you know, shitty fabric couch with, like, some plastic on it, you know, versus, like, and the other meme is, like, you know, the other side of it is, like, what television thinks the 80s are, and it's, like, a fucking day-glow room with, like, you know, all these posters and, like, all this other stuff, and, and, and I'm sure some, to, to some degree, it's, it's probably really more of a melting of those two things that gives you what the, the realistic 80s were, but I feel like this movie never never goes far enough into the satire to kind of make enough fun of the eighties to make that part worth it. And it doesn't take itself serious enough at times to kind of, to to kind of give me that kind of gravity with it. You know, like there isn't enough references that aren't just general pop culture. Like we're just saying this because we looked it up and this was a movie that came out in the eighties. I feel like Kiernan Shipka, whatever her name is, like, you know, like she was Sabrina the Teen Witch uh, in the Netflix series, and I thought she was serviceable in that. In this, she kind of annoyed me, you know? It's like, I don't know, it, it really felt like it was very much like the same character. She just didn't have magic in this movie. And maybe that's her whole gimmick. I don't know. You know, Olivia Holt, I'm a big fan of. You know, like, not only do I think she's hot as fuck um you know like like i i've seen her in other things and i know she can be an entertaining character you know an entertaining ad- actress this 
again, like, you know, they're, they're going with this, like, Heather's routine, but none of these, 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 you know, none of these mollies are, are exuding that same level of presence as, you know, Shannon Doherty and, and, and the actresses that were in, in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just think, you know, like, I, I think this was a, what could have been a really fun and great premise that just was not executed to its best ability. Mm-hmm. Okay. Monkey, what'd you think about Totally Killer? Um, like as far as slashers, like, you know, it was a fun little slasher movie, you know, um, actually had some kills here and there and whatnot. I was really upset though when I saw them actually use CGI blood in the cabin scene. Mm-hmm. I was very, very upset about that. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, they had permission to use the cabin, but not to get any caro syrup all over the fucking floor or some shit. I don't fucking know. Um, but no yeah, like, no. the ghoul was <laughs> no like, the ghoul was saying, too, it's like, you know, the 80s, you know, it's like they had bits and pieces here of 80s fashion, but it seemed like also for the most part, like, a lot of the characters, their hairstyles, what they were wearing and stuff actually looked more 90s, early 90s to me than 80s. Um, you know, goes, you know, it, it just looked very much more like 91 than 87 to me. Um, and it was like they were, tr- like, I guess they were trying to do like a double-edged satire of, you know, Trying to crack on the eighties and some spots where they did, you know, like the the fucking parents and the smoking in the car and all that, you know, which we'll get to, you know, fucking spot on. But then on the flip side, picking up also mm-hmm. on Jamie Hughes about how fucking oversensitive everyone is nowadays. In the, you know, like the whole, whole you know, I want to touch, I want to touch, I think. Really? Oh Shut the my fuck god! Up. I, like if I could have fucking climbed into the fucking screen and punted her at that point, I absolutely would have. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you know it's it's trying to make fun of both, you know, and it's like almost there, but not one hundred percent. You know, it's like, and then on top of that, then they try to make science into it. <laughs> and when they do that, then they start fucking putting, plot, you know, creating these giant fucking plot holes because they try to throw science in it and time travel and then forgetting about people and timelines and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's not that hard. You know, it's like, you know, just to be able to keep track of the timelines and this and that. But for some reason, it was too much for the writers and they fucking lost themselves and forgot who was what, when and where in their own fucking movie and it just created these huge plot holes at the end where I was like, really, if you're going to try and go science fiction, just fucking stick with it and like, just write down a fucking map of your characters where they're going to fucking go. Uh, But slasher wise, it was fun. Like, you know, just, you know, if you just go with that, it was good eighties, you know, fun eighties inspired popcorn slasher. It wasn't reinventing the horror genre, but you know, it doesn't need to. And then lastly was I really liked the fucking masks and how everyone was going around in the masks on Halloween night because, again, like we've talked about, you know, in the, the latest 
Halloween movies, you know, why wouldn't everyone be going around in Michael Myers masks in Haddonfield? You know, it's like we we covered mm-hmm. that on the show, and I, I liked how they did that, where people were going around in the town doing it, celebrating the serial killer in town. So, yeah, I thought that was a cool touch. King, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, just I'm not going to repeat everything that you guys have said because you guys pretty much said my thoughts. Um, you know, it's a good movie. You know, it, it definitely suffers from the we're in 1987, but we're kind of giving you what we think 1987 was like, where it wasn't quite <laughs> like that. You know, it's just kind of, you know, one of those things where it's just like we're really being 80s and, and we're trying. Um, yeah, I felt like it got kind of convoluted towards the third act. Where I was kind of like, okay, well, they're just they're throwing so much stuff at you at this point, where it's just like, all right, wrap it up, and uh, you know they did, and but you know the killer's mask was obviously fucking perfect, you know uh, the soundtrack was Max fucking Headroom. amazing, like yeah, Max Headroom, yeah, the soundtrack was great, um, and of course uh, was Liliana, that Max uh, I thought it was, I, I thought no, it was all my, I don't, it, it, like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly Max Headroom, but you know it's so very close that as soon as I saw it. And knowing that yeah. this is a, a movie that's taking place in the 80s and, and that stage of the 80s, I was like, oh, that's no, there's just no way that's not Max Hedrum inspired. I don't it's, think it's that. Yeah, and uh, Liliana Liberato, uh, who plays Tiffany in the movie, she was also in Scream 6. Uh, I have a thing for Redhead, so yeah, I was not complaining seeing her in this movie. Um, but Dude, no, the movie no blowjobs, bro. She can get the fuck I don't care. You don't, if you don't, don't get, matter. if you're not down with the head, then fucking move along. Well, you know, in real life, I'm sure she is. So that's what I care about. But anyway, way too young for me. Uh, the movie opens on October 31st, 2023. We get a narration of 35 years ago in the peaceful town of Vernon. Three girls are murdered. October 27th, 1987, Tiffany Clark was found butchered in her family garage, dead 16 times on the night of her 16th birthday. Two days later, at her family cabin, 16-year-old Marissa Song was killed, also stabbed 16 times. Two days later on Halloween night, Heather Hernandez was stabbed 16 times in the parking lot at Billy's Boardwalk. The Sweet 16 killer wore all black and an infamous mask. Think Max had room with an earring, if you need a point of reference. So we cut to Chris Dubassage, a true crime journalist, who is holding a tour of the murder locations for a group of people wearing the Sweet 16 killer's mask. And then we cut to the bedroom of Jamie Hughes as she gets ready to go out for the night. She's planning on going to see Killer Instinct. Her mom, Pam, shuts down the Killer Instinct music. She doesn't think that she should go because Eddie Royal was in her high school and he just wasn't very cool. But, of course, Jamie wants to go because it's totally fucking cool. Also wants to wear the friend's jacket that her mom wore back in the 80s. She's going to go pick up her friend Amelia. But, of course, Blake, her father, has to go. You know, pick them up, drop them off, stay. It's not safe out there. So she has to, of course, go with her dad and... Oh, geez. You know, that whole thing of, of teens in. and their friends. I want to jump in yep. real quick because I had this particular thought immediately. And the reason I had mm-hmm. this thought is because I love this particular film that I'm going to bring up so very much. I uh, even saw it in the movie theater. Uh, but when she argues with her mom over the white fringe jacket and she wears the jacket, goes back in time in the jacket to 1987 when this film comes out. Uh, is there anybody here that had the thought that that was maybe a little 80s, like, like reference Can't to buy me love. the white fringe jacket that Cindy Mancini wears in Can't Buy Me Love? Yep. Yeah, I monkey thought theaters, too. <laughs> yeah. Was it also, it and I, 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 might, I might be 
thinking wrong, but did Mia Sarah also wear something similar in Ferris Very similar in Ferris. Very similar. Very similar. Okay. And this was not the exact jacket from Can't Find Me Love, but very similar. Mia Sarah, yes, did wear a similar jacket in Ferris Bueller. Hmm. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't remember the Can't Find Me Love that well. Not um, a suede fringe. Jimmy, uh, <laughs> so Jamie ends up meeting up with Amelia. We're introduced to her mom, Warren, before cutting back to Pam, who is alone handing out candy when she gets attacked by someone in a sweet 16-killer costume. Pam might look like your typical housewife, but she turns into a real fucking Lori Strode and fights back against the killer, but is ultimately stabbed to death. The police, of course, arrive too late as two trick-or-treaters stumble across her dead body. So now that he's sitting at home, becomes a crime scene. Mm -hmm. Is that a little, like, knock and, like, fun play on, like, the Laurie Strode character from the modern Halloween I thought so. uh, trilogy with, with having shit like stashed all over her house in secret compartments yeah. with weapons and shit. That's what I took it as. I was like, they're trying to channel Laurie Strode because I've been waiting all this, all these years. I could have been killed as a teenager and now I'm going to fucking do it. But of course, unlike Laurie Strode who remains for the next two movies, you know, Pan is killed. Um, so Chris Dubasaj is in front of the house and he releases a podcast about the new murder. The Sweet 16 killers returned. At school the next day, Principal Randy speaks to the class about grief and the Sweet 16 killer and has a gym coach offer some self-defense tactics. Avoid the knife. Keep your life. Go Devils. Uh, Principal Randy... Am I the only one that thought it was weird that she would have been in school the day after her mom's murder? No. Not really. What else are you going to do? Was it the, okay, wait a minute, though. That's the thing. Was it the day after? I feel like it wasn't. I feel like some time had passed because you got to figure they had a funeral. They had all of those other things that had to go on. I just don't think the movie expressed that time had passed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it could have been, you know, a couple of days. But I think they're trying to keep it within the timeline of the, like, the Halloween thing. But then I was like, no, that was a Halloween night she got killed. So it could definitely be, like, a week or something. You know, that this happens. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, uh, Principal Randy speaks to Jamie outside of class with the town sheriff, Carolyn, who immediately begins grilling her about people her mom knew, including text exchanges between Pam and Chris. Jamie tells the sheriff to do your fucking job and catch the killer. And then we go to an abandoned fairground, which is where the Werner High School is prepping for their annual science fair. Amelia is hard at work building a time machine in an old-school photo booth using her mom's designs. There's something wrong with it, but Amelia doesn't know what it is just yet. Maybe something to do with the Wi-Fi. The machine is set to October 27, 1987, and Amelia thinks that they can go back in time and stop the killer in the first place, and Pam would not be currently dead. So that night, Jimmy watches a podcast about her mom's death, and her father, Blake, walks into the room, and she asks him about Chris and Pam's relationship. And, of course, Pam says that uh, he was kind of a dork. Uh, they weren't even really friends. Pam wanted to know about the killer and how to find them. And then he recounts a sweet story about how they found out that they were pregnant with Jamie. Uh, then we find that Chris finds Jamie the next day looking for an interview. <clears throat> and Jamie immediately asks, are you having an affair with my mom? And he's, no, affirms what Blake had told her the previous night. She just wanted to find the killer. Chris asks her about a note that Pam got back in 1987, your next one day, that was shoved into her locker. She told nobody about this but Chris. So then we cut to that night. Jamie returns to the fairgrounds where she meets up with Amelia, only to be attacked by the Sweet 16 killer. She hides in 
So she hides in the time machine and accidentally turns it on. The killer attacks her and stabs a knife into the controls of the machine as it powers up, sending Jimmy all the way back to 1987. Cue the Bananarama soundtrack, because we've got to get that in there because we know we're in the 80s now. Uh, Jimmy emerges from the photo booth, and she sees the fairgrounds full of people and attractions. She puts an out-of-order sign on the booth as a couple goes to use it, and she comments about his female body inspector T-shirt, which, again, I don't really think that was an 80s thing. That seems like more of like a late 90s, early 2000s thing with the funny T-shirts. Like FBI female body inspector, but they had no. Yeah, that yeah. kind of shit in the '80s, man. That was that was that was that kind of shit was all over the place in the '80s. I didn't really remember the big, John, FBI big stuff Johnsons. Yeah, big Johnsons. That was one of them. Big well, Johnsons. I, was I, like I, early I in the remember 90s. the big Johnsons, but that's early. I remember those from early '90s. You know, like the mm-hmm. sex yeah. shop. Uh, the sex shop surf, uh, surf shirts and stuff like mm-hmm. that, too. Again, early 90s. Yep. Like, yeah, I'm kind of with yeah. the king on this one. I really don't remember that kind of terminology being on shirts in the 80s. Like, you know, everything in the 80s just always seemed very like it was either, like, designer or, like, oh, yeah, cheap. And it wasn't novelty T-shirts like that. Like, you know, I just, I, even all the 80s movies I've watched, I don't really see too many people walking around like, pull my finger, I'll fart type T-shirts. Like, that's, that's like a 90s, you know, thing. And, but, you know. Um, so, pull my finger, Jamie runs into a woman, and this woman tells Jamie that the year is 1997. And what a shame that the 80s is almost over because she hasn't even tried Coke yet. And she's like, ha, ha, ha. So, Jimmy needs a ride to Vernon High School. The woman offers to give her a ride, and when she pulls up to the school, they see that she has all the windows rolled up and she's smoking cigarettes. That's memories for me as a kid. Oh, <laughs> I God, never yeah, crossed man. a fucking window. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> what are you fucking doing? Are you choking back there? You know? Fucking choking. Fucking breathe. In the car, man. You know, <laughs> relevant, horrible. relevant to the discussion, you know, I grew up in, in that same cloud of smoke, too. Uh, with mm-hmm. windows up in the car, and you know, as a as a kid who was a cigarette smoker, uh, when I got my driver's license and went out to the car, and you know, fired up the car and headed on down the road and lit up my cigarette, uh, I had the windows up because like that was just like the built-in brain memory, like it like it didn't even cross my mind that I should like open the window. And within five seconds, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And op- opened the window, and then, like, the rule in the car was, that even if it was the dead of winter, that the windows had to be, you know, open if, if we were smoking Absolutely. in the car. Yeah, it doesn't matter, you know. It just it never mattered. But anyway, uh, Jimmy arrives at the high school and says that she's an exchange student from Prince Edward Island in Canada. She gets a schedule, and she's told immediately to go to gym. And that's where she discovers her mom hanging out with a bunch of popular kids. Um, these are the three girls that were killed back in 1987 in the gym class. Um, and then there's a nice game of dodgeball. And, of course, yeah, cool. I agree with you. Kiernan Shipka is fucking annoying as shit during this whole scene. This is always a legal. I get it. It's, you know, it's not that funny, you know, when they're playing it. But, you know, she gets but knocked out. But it could have um, been. It yeah, I been. agree. I feel like with a like a different actress, somebody who like you know who can play, who can play millennial, like baby, but at the same time not do so in a way that just it doesn't come off as like 
it doesn't come off with the humor that it should. Or maybe we're just not of the age where we find it funny. Maybe a millennial or somebody like, you know, in, 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 uh, in these, like, more recent generations would watch this and find it funny, but I don't think so. Like, you know, yeah. the little monster wasn't home to watch this with me. But I feel like if mm. she did, she would be like, nobody's like that. Like, you know, like, that, just, that, that's fucking <laughs> stupid, and people are, like, annoying in that way. But then again, too, that kid does everything in her power to not be in gym class either. So, you know, so I guess, I guess no, that yeah. physical activity thing is, is, is a realistic thing. But, you know what, Dean, you deal with kids of this age all the time. Like, how many of them right? are, are similar to how this girl is acting? No, so my, you know, my student population, uh, you know, any opportunity that they have, uh, given the level of ADHD in my population, because, uh, like I've said numerous times, my school is for students with dyslexia, and there's a very strong correlation between dyslexia and ADHD, uh, any opportunity for these kids to be running around like maniacs uh, is taken. Now, uh, when I worked in, in a traditional public school in this day and age. Uh, yeah, there were definitely many kids that were doing everything in their power to like not have to change for gym and not have to participate in, in gym. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's possible. I mean, it was fine, but um, so she meets her mom, Jimmy meets her mom as a teenager and she's kind of bitchy, hangs out with a group that they call themselves the Mollies because they all fashion themselves after some form of Molly Ringwald. Um, she knows but that Tiffany's birthday party is going to be done. Obviously. You know, all the Heathers, all, Heathers, all yeah. our Heathers, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it was all, yeah, I totally got that, and I'm glad that you brought that up too. But, yeah, but they are the Mollies in this movie. Um, she finds out that Tiffany's birthday party is going to be that night when Tiffany's supposed to die. So Jamie has to figure out a plan to get into the party to stop the murder from happening. Um, she also searches for Amelia's mom, Lauren, and she finds her in the Earth Sciences room. And immediately she tells Lauren about the time machine that was built with Lauren's notes. And immediately Lauren's kind of going along with this. She doesn't question it too much because she figures, you know what, this is probably going to happen. I'm building a fucking time machine. She's like, I kind of planned on somebody from the future coming to talk to me. So she's not too uh, scared or just kind of weirded out. Um, And then she tries to explain quantum mechanics to Jamie, who just clearly doesn't really understand, even though she's seen Back to the Future. in the present time, Jamie is still missing, and the cops aren't doing too much. Um, Amelia finds Blake and tells him that Jamie went back in time to 1987, but, of course, Sheriff Carolyn just doesn't really care to listen to her. So we cut back so, to 87. I, mm-hmm. I do like it. I know, I know, Monkey, you were a little, you know, uh, the, the, the whole treatment of the science fiction or the time travel stuff kind of annoyed you. See, for me, I, I did at least enjoy that they – they pretty much just straight out said, like, listen, this is, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like Endgame. You know, this is just straight fiction. We don't know how time travel works. Nobody's ever gotten it right because, you know what, everything involving time travel is theory. We can sit here and theorize it forever, but there really is never any way to know if or how it works because we don't know if it ever right. will work. Um yeah. And I'm good with oh, that. Go ahead. I, I like that they I like that they point that out. But like you know, like one of the things that also I think bothered me with uh, with, with Shipka's whole performance and, and and her whole gimmick, right? Here you have this kid who is like from this generation, super like tense, super oh, almost like anxiety based type of person. You know, 
you know, unwanted touch. You know, nobody wants to do this or that. And yet she's cursing like a sailor throughout the entire oh, movie yeah. as if she was born in like a fucking trailer park somewhere. Like where mm-hmm. there's no like, it's like they didn't do their homework as far as like what their character should have been like. Yes. No, no, right. Um, and and with just the time travel stuff, it's just, okay, I get that. But they are making and inventing their own rules for this movie. You know, and it's just like they, they are do that. sticking to their own rules. You know, they, they're writing the rules in the movie, but then things happen in the movie and they aren't even sticking to their own rules. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you're making it up and, yeah, you know, it's all relative and they're making, you know, up their own theories, cool. But stick to your own rules for your movie. That's all I'm, you know, that was my problem. But in the movie itself, it calls out that they don't necessarily know what rules are actually going to be or not be, you know, and that ultimately is the question. I'll be right back. Aha. Yes, <laughs> scream vibes throughout this whole film. The whole opening, you know, that whole sequence with uh, with, with the mom, uh, it was was yeah, it was straight up scream scream vibes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys um, felt so, that. A little bit, yeah. I definitely got that vibe. I mean, you know. Um, but, yeah, we, we cut back to 87 where Tiffany's party's happening, and we've run into younger versions of Principal, uh, uh, Principal Doug Summers and Jim Coach Randy. Uh, Randy is a real bully who, you know, does some cut-up one-liners. There's a Randy uh, Watson. So, yeah, so Dammy uh, defends Doug and is blocked from getting to the party. Doug helps um, uh, Lauren and Jimmy get in by boosting him over the fence, and that's when we cue the New World Order. Again, I like the soundtrack. So um, while looking for Tiffany, Jamie finds her dad when he was a teen, super buff and cute. Uh, Blake is with Tiffany, but they cheat on each other all the time. So Jamie approaches the Mollies, uh, Tiffany, Marissa, Heather, and Pam. But Pam immediately bullies her. Blake also bullies a young Chris Dubassage before Randy comes to carry her out of the party, belching hard in her face as we see Doug is also outside of the party. Tiffany and Blake break up during this whole thing, and we find out that Tiffany made out with Eddie Royal, and Blake's just not too happy about that. Um, so we have eventually cut up to the bedroom of Tiffany's parents where Eddie and Tiffany are making out. She's so going to go all the way with him, but yet not really. Um, she's just had too many BJs and needs to go pee. He's like, all right, room for one more. And she's like, ew, I don't do BJs. You pee out of that thing. So, of course, Eddie's like, well, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> Let's stick it out. Like, you know. Later, I'm all for the fucky fucky. I do like fucky fucky. But, man, I will take great head over fucking sex any day. Yeah, absolutely. 110%. Yeah, I, I would rather have that than, than you know, that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so during this, uh, after Eddie leaves, Tiffany shows up in her parents' bedroom looking for Eddie, but instead she finds a killer who stabs her to death on the waterbed. If you've ever seen the great Wampakir Simons pieces from 1982, uh, that was a callback to that. So I was very happy to see that they were doing a little bit of a callback to a uh, reporter getting killed on a waterbed in pieces, and you get one here. I don't know. Waterbeds in the 80s are still a, a fun time. Uh, but the police show up, and, of course, Very Jamie popular. is questioned, and they think that she's a suspect. Pam tells the sheriff that Jamie was just trying to protect Tiffany. 
And as the party disperses, Sheriff Lynn tells everyone not to move, but of course they all move. So, you know, I, I got a laugh out of that when he's like, all right, nobody move. And then fucking as soon as his back is turned, everybody fucking yeah, this moves. Is, this is an active crime scene. Everybody running go anywhere. Uh, and then, yeah, you basically <laughs> yeah. get the typical teenage party reaction. <laughs> so, you know, at, at Pam's house, uh, the girls watch RoboCop. And Jamie pretends that she has psychic powers that can foretell the future and that Marissa's going to die in a cabin in the woods next. They then come up with a plan for Warren to fix a time machine or time ice machine, as she says, while Pam and Jamie try to find out who the killer is. Um, And the president, Millie, is trying to fix a time machine when Chris confronts her about how the murder of Tiffany suddenly changed. A note was found at the scene, stabbed machine J. The police thought it was a killer instinct lyric, but in the present, Eddie Royal is now super emo. And Amelia finds Jamie in a photo Chris had from 1987 and realizes that that note was from Jamie, that the machine was stabbed. So then we cut back to 87 once more, and Eddie Royals and brought in for questioning about the killings. We know that he didn't do it, but the police have no suspects. So Warren tells Jamie that if you screw your parents getting up together, <clears throat> it's not going to be like Back to the Future. You're not going to disappear like Martin McFly might. You'll just exist with nowhere to go. Nobody's going to know who you are. She's like, well, that's comforting. So, again, I kind of like that that time travel explanation. So, if anything gets fucked up, you'll still exist, just nobody will know who you are. Um, Jamie then speaks to the Mollies about Fat Trish, who died in a drunk driving accident. And then we cut we to the lab see, class where... Sorry, do we ever see Jamie actually write the note and leave it? No. Because I, fe- no, I felt like that do. was something that was going to come back later, and we would find out that she actually didn't write the note. Like, I feel like it just kept, no. it was something they brought up multiple times, and then it just... It was the other note that you're thinking about, the death threat that was written to Pam in 1987. That's the one that comes no, up. No, no, because... yeah, no, I know, I remember <laughs> that note. I know that, and I, I know where that one comes up later in the film. But, like, the note that was, like, you know, the fact that Jamie is leaving clues and notes for them in the future, in the past, I feel like that's mm. something, like, they bring up in that sequence. And then it just disappears, and it doesn't happen again for the rest of the movie. So, like, I almost felt like they did it that way because that was going to come up later and end up being somebody, you know, somebody else did it or something to that effect. But really, it's just like a, a one-shot gimmick, I guess. Well, yeah, because they, they figured it out pretty fucking quick. They were like, oh, stabbed machine. The machine was stabbed. And Jay, that's not a rune. That's Jamie. She just put Jay. But, you know, it's kind of a stupid thing where I was just, I just didn't really pay attention to it. I was just like, well, that's fine. Like, they just explained it away so fast that you're really not thinking about it. But um, the, the Mollies, they kind of want to get away with Pam, and they're like, you know what? Like, it's been fucking hard. Tiffany's now dead, so let's get away for the weekend. And, of course, Jamie's like, well, no, like, we're not going to a cabin, right? Like, we're not going to do that because that's, you know, not cool. She's like, no, it's a condo. We're all just going to go to a condo and have some fun. And, of course, what happens is the girls pick her up and they drive her to the fucking cabin in the woods. And, of course, Jamie's like, well, what the fuck is this? Like, you said it was a condo. And she's like, oh, I get those confused all the time. Yeah, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a cabin. It's a condo. Oh, ha, ha. So um, Jamie knows this is where Melissa is going to be killed and tries to get them all to leave right away. But then Blake arrives with the vodka because he's always got vodka. And Kara arrives with weed brownies. And, of course, Randy also shows up buzzed. Uh, that night, Jamie wants to protect them, but she's eaten five of the brownies and realizes that everybody's fucking high. She doesn't feel anything at all because, well, 80s weed sucks. Cocaine, great. Weed sucks. 
Um, then Jamie tries to stop Pam from hooking up with Blake, Truth. and Randy walks her out of the house. And I remember some of that dirt weed we used to smoke back in the day, Dean. Man, fuck <laughs> yeah, it. I know, man. Peel it, I know. Fucking peeling flakes apart and shit, popping out seeds and stems, man. Uh-huh. Breaking fucking <laughs> yeah. papers with fucking stem all fucking day. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, when... That, that that like the tide the the tide turned uh, surrounding a particular gas station in Manalapan, uh oh, and then our weed life was never the same. But man, the days before that, oof. <laughs> so, um, but obviously it rings true that it was it sucked. But uh, so, with Jamie being locked out, she realizes that she closed all the windows, but she notices one of the windows is open upstairs. Realizing that the killer's inside, she tries to get everybody's attention. Uh, during this time, warning them that the killer's inside, but nobody's really paying attention to her. We see that Heather is asleep in one of the beds, and that's when the killer shows up and cranks up the Shannon Let the Music Play, which is one of my favorite 80s songs. What a great synth song to fucking crank it up to and then fucking have Heather be the one that dies when it was supposed to be Marissa that dies. Uh, Blake tries to fight the killer but gets stabbed. Jamie then tries fighting the killer but is saved uh, from death by Pam, that's when Blake eventually rushes to Pam as the killer escapes in the night. I love the fucking killer just fucking walks out. Like, not like he dives out of a window. No, he, he just fucking walks right out the front door. He's like, all right, my job's done here. I got to go. Um, so at the police station, Jamie gives Sheriff Lynn some blood she got from the killer. But since DNA testing isn't a thing yet, the cops laugh at her. Again, I got a little bit of a laugh because like, what fucking DNA? What the fuck does that even stand for? Like, you think we have to test this? Like, what do you want us to do with it? But anyway... Um, we also see Norm Dubassage, Chris's dad, who's reporting once again on the recent murders, and we find out that uh, Jamie has only seven and a half hours left until she's officially stuck in the year 1987. Heather was murdered in the parking lot of Billy's Boardwalk that night, so they figure they need to stop the killer because Marissa, or one of the others, is going to be killed, and Jamie needs to get back to 2023 right fucking away. So Jamie sneaks into Damon's van, who we saw earlier. He's kind of a creepo. He's Trisha's brother. Um, but he just has video games in his van. Like he just has video games. He's kind of nerdy. He's kind of shy. He knows that he's not a killer. Jamie knows he's not the killer. Doug finds them and comments about how he played Death Wish 3 and how, you know, when you kill somebody, they turn into pink mist, and it's okay. He also studies karate at a local mall. Um, so we cut to the fairgrounds, and Lauren isn't able to fix the phone booth and needs power. Uh, they're going to use the phantom, the quantum drop ride for the power. Um, they'll be able to operate it with enough power to send Jamie back to present time. Jamie gets the remaining teens, and they plan on going to Billy's Wardwalk because Marissa is supposed to die, and they need to stop it. Jamie hands her a rape alarm to use that she'll act as bait for a trap they have ready to go in the dollhouse of horrors to echo in the bunny man and the killing moon. Superior fucking song. So that night, Kara runs into Jamie and Pam, and she feels Blake turned everyone against her, but they deny this. And then we cut to 2023 as Chris is with Amelia, who manages to power up the time machine. She tells Chris to get the metal conductor as we head back to 1987 in the dollhouse of horrors. Marissa walks through, calling out for Randy, but the killer shows up and attacks the whole group, eventually being taken out by Kara, who happens just to be carrying a real sight to go along with her costume. She's like, no, it's totally real. Uh, and then we find out the killer is actually totally Doug the entire time. Who the fuck? Doug, of all people, Doug was the killer? And we also get a reveal that he was the boyfriend of Trish. Uh, and one night, the Mollies, without Pam, decided Bad to Trish. get Trish drunk, 
And well, I you know yeah, it's fat Trish, but I just called her Trish because I forgot it was fat Trish. But anyway, um, so they decided to get drunk one night and let Trish drive home, and she was killed. So Doug wanted his revenge, and that's why he went after the Mollies. Um, Pam wasn't there that night. She would never do anything that kind of mean. So Jamie's left to wonder who the killer was that left the note, but that's when a second killer appears, slitting Marissa's throat and killing her. In the present, Warren finds Amelia has been knocked out, laying in the garage. So the second killer chases after Jamie, killing Norm Dubitage along the way, which is great because he's like, oh, I'm on the boardwalk report. All of a sudden he gets stabbed right in the fucking head by the killer. <laughs> you know, CGI blood, yes, monkey, but, you know, at the same time, I just enjoyed the kill. It just, you know, is so fast, so random, and you'll find out why in a minute. Um, but the two face off and the new time machine as it activates, and the killer is revealed to be Chris Dubassage from the present. Doug was the original killer, but Chris murdered Pam and forged a note in order to generate more content for his podcast, because you're really not going to get famous off of three murders back 35 years ago. The two fight, and Jamie kicks him into the spinning machine, killing him, which he becomes pink dust. So upon returning to present day, she finds out that Pam, her mom, is alive and well, and Warren sits outside with her and hands her a book to catch her up on everything that's happened, cooling her in that she also has a brother now named Jamie, and her name is Colette. As we close the credits over a photo montage of everything that occurred with all the characters that we saw, I mean, I think I would have a major fucking problem. I'd be like, oh, my name's Colette now? I don't know if a book's going to solve all that. Like, here, catch up on this fucking history real fast of, uh, you know, photos of people. Like how you have a brother named Jamie who is in, you know, a a committed relationship with a man and they have a kid together. It's like, wow, it's a lot. It's a lot coming back from the future, you know, from the past. But, you know, it's it's good that you got a mom. But then we have the problem of, okay, just like we do every other time travel movie, whether it's Back to the Future, Time, Cop, all that kind of stuff, what happened to the Jamie that was still there while stuff was going on. Where is that Jamie? Where was that Marty McFly? You mean the 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 one that was there? Okay, but that that just fucks me up in general because when you think about that, like fucking, he tells his parents in 1955, like, hey, like Marty would be a good name to name your son, and by the way, don't get mad at him when he sets the carpet on fire. There were no questions raised when they realized that he looked exactly like fucking Calvin Klein. Not a single (laughs) question. Neither George, you know, or Lane were like, wow, it looks like fucking Calvin Klein, right? Fucking weird. Nope. Yeah, but what what, what I'm talking about is the the person who grew up in this timeline while the other person was traveling. Okay. So oh, who grew uh, up, so, the, the, so, so Doc Brown so, strangled to death in the back of his garage. Okay. Anyway, talking about this movie that, and trying to stay on track oh, about this movie. Track about this movie. Like, okay. No, I'm oh, saying well, all like a lot of movies like that. What happened to that Jamie? And then the uh, like the other thing that pissed me off is okay. I I liked the book at the end with you know the the, the closing of what happened to all these characters. I'm a I'm a sucker for that and like you know it's just one of those movie things that I like, you know, one of those touches, but such a snap, the other, but the, but the other theory they had with all the time travel and shit like that is she, she wouldn't have needed the book anyway, because then wouldn't her head started filling with all these other memories from the things that changed through time. 
so she wouldn't have needed the book anyway, just like everyone else who started getting the new memories. So it would have been the same thing for her, right? No. I mean, I, no. Yeah. I, no, because she so was traveling. So she was in the yeah. past. So w- upon coming to the present, you can go one of two ways with that. You can either do it the way they did it, or you could do the butterfly effect thing in which all of that information comes processing into the mind at one time and pretty much breaks you and destroys your brain matter. Um, I think they chose to, to go just the, uh, hey, she just doesn't know these changes route because she was back then. Um, as far as, you know, where is that Jamie in that timeline? I mean, you're kind of like, you're, you're working less with time travel at that point and you're going more with, you're going with the back to the future thing in which when Marty McFly was in the past, his present was still, you know, existent. So we watch Marty get in the time machine and leave at the end of, uh, of back to the future before he goes and runs and finds out that doc is still alive, you know, because he put the bulletproof vest on. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, there but are yeah, some but, but, but in back to the future, you had this Marty McFly that grew up in the rich family and had the truck you know, and all that. And his girlfriend was dating that Marty. His, his parents had that Marty. What happened to that Marty? I'm telling you, Doc Brown took him out in the garage. He took that fucking okay, then how about, and you put a bullet in the Okay, then what about this movie? What happened to that Jamie? What are you talking about? She we was see that Marty go into the past. We see that, because yeah. again, the same timeline in which that truck and they've got money and all that, that same Marty still gets into the DeLorean and takes off to yes. the past. Mm-hmm. So no matter what his upbringing was, Marty McFly still ends up befriending Doc Brown and, and ends up, you know, traveling through time, which is probably just because Doc Brown knew that it needs to happen in order for everything else to, to make sense and not destroy the, the space-time continuum. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, That's heavy, Doc. It, you know, I guess there's some theories that posit that, like, if you are to displace yourself from one area in time to another area in time, that matter no longer is in that – it's no longer in the future of where that present now is. So, like, her going into the past removes her from the present that was eventually her future. And therefore, so like, you know, Jamie doesn't exist again until Jamie is in that future again, if that makes any sense. Well, it's like, yeah, that that person just doesn't exist. It's a blank slate. Like that just person isn't around. So it's not like, well, yeah, I remember that girl from 1987. That's just a blank until she comes into existence via people having sex. So, yeah, I think that that kind of makes the most logical sense. But then again, you're trying to apply logic to time travel. Exactly. Like I said, why you don't fuck with it? No way to do that because it's not real. (laughs) I I mean, yeah, I mean, time travel, as much as I would love for it to be real, it can never be real. Like, we just, because if it was real, it would have happened already. Like, you know, so you don't see people, you know. But you do get those fun pictures every now and then. Like they just had the one of the Mike Tyson fight where they showed somebody holding up a smartphone. They're like, whoa, fucking look at this Mike Tyson fight. And there's a guy in the front row. It's like, no, he wasn't holding up a smartphone. <laughs> Clearly not, not, you know, one of those phones. But 
you know, they like to believe that it is. I mean, I, you know, if time travel is real. I mean, ancient aliens. I'd want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's just, I know it just would cause a lot of problems. I mean, you know, you wouldn't be able to eat anything because anything that you eat in the past, like the, the chemical compounds, aren't the same as they are now. So your body wouldn't be able to handle it. So what's the point? I mean, you know, it just it'd be terrible. <laughs> One point twenty-one gigawatts. So yeah, of course, but uh, it, it totally killer. Yeah, I just I had fun with it. You know, I mean, all time travel questions aside, where my fucking head exploded halfway through that conversation because I'm like, God, now I'm really thinking about the logistics of time travel and if we exist or not. But yeah, no need for I'm this level of depth to think about the scientific mechanics of the time travel. Oh, I know I'm definitely going to be going to bed tonight watching YouTube videos about time travel now. So, <laughs> great. King, I, do, I like do want to, to commend your, 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 your dedication because I was looking at the clock and, man, like the last you, – you, you covered a lot of ground in your narration for like the last 15 minutes. I was, like, I was looking at the clock going, man, I wonder if he's going to make it. And, uh, and, and, and you, just, you just laid it all out there. Yeah, I, I write my notes in like little paragraphs now so I can make it really quick. So I could just buzz right through it, you know. I mean, I try to get rid of all the non sequiturs that we don't need to talk about, you know, and I try to get to the, you know, the, the core. But thank you. I do appreciate that. Uh, but as we close out tonight's episode, uh, that was a Dean's film pick, Totally Killer. Uh, next week, it is my film pick of the week. And, of course, the Kings on a Revenge Tour, um, having a great time doing it this year. Um, but I actually want to go back to the year 1987, the actual 1987, um, and I want to talk about Doom Asylum, directed by Richard Friedman. It it probably is going to hurt a little bit, but I find this movie hilarious, and it actually takes place in the year 1987, and it's the first film premiere of Kristen Davis, who you might know from Sex in the City, and also features Patty Mullen from Frankenhooker fame, and Ruth Collins, who got paid $100 a day to show her tits. It's Doom Asylum, which you could find on Tubi for free. And it's only an hour and 18 minutes, so you guys can crank it up real fast like I like to do on weekends. Mm-hmm. So we'll be talking right. about that next week on the show, a movie that actually takes place in 1987. So we're going to get to see what 1987 actually looked like and not what people think it looked like. Be surprised how much brown and yellow is there in 1987. <laughs> and it actually was and it was filmed in New Jersey, so I just like that fact too. Because anything that's filmed in Jersey, so so, I'm so extra brown. <laughs> a lot, of, yeah, a lot of brown, a lot of smokes, a lot of uh, beer bottles laying around. Uh, it, it's insane. Uh, lots it's of wood paneling. Yeah, um, it's just it. Yeah, so less I say about it, the better. But yeah, it's a it's a quick one. It's only an hour and eighteen minutes. You can crush it. But we'll be talking about 1987, this Doom Asylum next week on the show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Dean. We'll see you back here next week. Oh yes, I'm I'm so excited, and uh, I can't wait until the next time we get to do this again. I always look forward to it too, man. But we'll see you back here next week. All right, Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? All right, thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and letting us come in your ears. Good night, everybody. All right, Ghoul, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Well, I totally. Uh... So scared. <laughs> yeah, man. It's crazy, uh, man. Like, just radical time travel. Man, I'm just so totally bodacious right now about my about this. So, anyway, guys, hail Satan, hail yourselves, you know, odorous, watch horror movies, keep America strong, and 
keep time traveling your thoughts, and we'll see you back here next week when we go to the actual year 1987 with Doom Asylum. <laughs>